episode number 27 of the Classical Guitar Composers Podcast. As always, I am your host, Chris Hales, glad to be bringing you another episode of the show that features original classical guitar compositions from around the globe. If you have an original classical guitar piece that you would like to have featured on the show, you just simply send an mp3 recording to chris at classicalguitarcomposers.com. It's that simple, I feature it on the show. The only rule is that it is a real recording of a real guitar and not a finale generated instrument or something like that. This is the February show, which is a short month and it's probably going to be a pretty short show. It's a bit slow right now and so I was debating on doing an episode at all but I decided to go ahead and do one. Um, So I'm going to talk just a little bit about what I'm working on composition-wise, then I am going to enter the realm of the weird just a little bit, if you'll all bear with me. I think uh, there's something that's worth mentioning. And it's probably going to make me sound like a crazy person, but I want to talk about it. Then I'll read an email, and then I'm going to go ahead and show you one of my pieces being that it's such a slow time so I've got a short but nonetheless great show for you today so sit back get yourself a nice tea and enjoy the program I guess I also uh, wanted to go ahead and do the show because I've got a pair of microphones a matched stereo pair on loan from my from our good friend of the show Parker Robinson And I'm just trying these out because I'm trying to decide if I want to buy a pair of these. And I did some recording of some acoustic guitar with them, and I really like the... I mean, I'm kind of sold on them anyway, based on that. But I thought I might see how how they work for the podcast. Do a recording in stereo. I usually just use a single microphone and record my voice in mono. So, we'll see how this goes. But I, I do really like these microphones. They are the Lewitt LCT-40s. So it has been a slow time of classical guitar for me, basically since around Christmas time. Every year around Christmas time, it just kind of takes over for a little bit because uh, the kids are home from school and we're trying to get prepared for Christmas and then We usually try to take advantage of uh, everybody being home. Um, I get some time off, and instead of using that for classical guitar, it seems to get filled up with other things, and classical guitar kind of takes a back seat. And I've just had a hard time getting it back to normal um, since then. I've, I've, I've been practicing, but... I've been missing a lot of practices too, and they haven't been as productive. Now, classical guitar is not my only musical outlet, so a lot of stuff has been, I, I, I've got some several old electric guitars that have been um, put away for a few years that needed some work done on them, and I recently got them out, you know, and started doing, you know, I did a setup on one, uh, and I have this, I have this other, um, it's an Ibanez that I bought in like either 99 or 2000 and it was the 
was not my first electric guitar, but it was the first guitar that I bought with my own money. It was like this one I fell in love with. Anyway, uh, years ago, I broke one of the bridge mounting studs, uh, which on that guitar adjusts the action. Uh, I don't want to turn this into an electric guitar show, but I'm having a hard time finding a replacement stud, and I actually found this just threaded bolt. It was just completely threaded and I used a grinder and I kind of grinded it into the shape of um, one of those action bolts and it's kind of been a placeholder for years but I've gotten that back out and did some work on it and I really am trying to find another one of these bolts and I found some online but I'm having a hard time I actually pulled the trigger and ordered some that I thought were it and they came they they were too small anyway so the, some of that has taken over and uh, but man, when I don't, when I'm unable to pra practice the classical, I I start to get depressed and frustrated. It truly is. It, it's an incredible outlet for me. I need it. So I was kind of resolved to do today's show, partly based on that because I I need. I need it in my life. <laughs> and so having said that, the composition has taken even more of a backseat because for me it's always been practice usually comes first then composition. And when a piece really gets going, the composition takes over everything until that piece is done. But that happens after a certain point when the piece is really coming together. And right now I have two different things I've been working on. The first one is a sonatina. I was going to, well, I am doing a little three-movement sonatina, but um, the first movement is like 80% finished, and it's the first time I've really pushed through and finished a piece, and, you know, I haven't quite finished it, but I've, there's no surprises left. It, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of figuring out little little bits but I overall just I don't like the piece very much and usually if I just force myself to do it I'll I'll start to find uh, things I can do with whatever motif I've come up with or whatever that I end up thinking turns out good and in this case it's just I'm not in love with it but I need to get I just really feel like I need to finish something so even with that one it's got to be finished um, and then I can at least have written something and move on to the next thing. Uh, I also have music worked out, but not as much for the second and third movements. And those I do like. It's this first movement that's killing me. So the other thing I've been working on is a theme in variations. Again, I've got some good stuff here. This one is not a theme I've written. I'm, I'm uh, using... Um, an old folk song as the theme and I'm sure one that you're all familiar with but maybe I'll save that till I actually finish and record the piece a couple var variations are done but it had a hard time moving forward with that maybe it's because I'm also trying to do this in tandem with a um, doing my own arrangement of some Bach it might just be a little too much. 
Anyway, I bring this up because I'm working on two forms that I struggle with. I have found that I have finished pieces in Sonata form. You know what? I'm going to contradict myself because, yeah, one of. I, I wrote this whole Sonata one time and I don't think it's very good. It's one of my first pieces, but the. You know, the first, it, the first movement was very Fernando Sor like, but not as good. <laughs> but it was, you know, I was very much writing in, in more of a classical tone, stylistically. And I think I just thought that doing it that way would, would be kind of simple. But in the end, I, I just don't think it was a very good piece. Uh, so I guess I have finished pieces that I didn't like. <laughs> um, I thought it was pretty good at the time, but then I, you know, didn't take long before I realized, yeah, this this was not my best work. But it was one of the first guitar pieces that I ever wrote, and then the uh, the second movement of that one was m much more in a romantic vein. Anyway, um, I have found that every time I try to write in sonata form, like the sonata allegro form. I just seem to struggle with it and I don't know why I don't think it's like that complicated of a form I think it's a very cool form it it's a form that should really have all kinds of potential and does and you see what a lot of great composers have done with it in my mind it's always like associated with the classical period romantic period stuff but we even have some great guitar examples, even from, you know, the 20th century. And one I have been working on for a while is the Taroba uh, Fantasy Sonata in A minor. That first movement is like a long form, Sonata Allegro form. And I think Sor, not Sor, Taroba does an awesome job with it and it's a form he didn't use very often anyway I don't know man it's just it's a form I struggle with and I think it's because every time I've written using that form I've sat down with the intention of writing a piece in that form I want to do a sonata or a sonatina so I'm going to do the first movement in that form and then it's like well I know I need my primary theme, I know I need my secondary theme, and I need this transition, and I end up finding it very difficult. I th Maybe it's this, because I was going to say the same thing about theme and variations. I've only written one theme and variations in my life. It was when I was taking composition lessons, and uh, it was an assignment, and I wrote this big long theme and variations for piano, and it's okay. It's not my best work, but it's what I was studying at the time, and what I was going for. I, I think it's okay. It's nothing that I would ever put out for the masses, but I do have a lot of little compositions that I'm like, yeah, this, you know, they show progress over time, you know. But I've never been able to get one down for guitar. I've attempted it a few times. I don't know, man. I just seem to struggle with that variation too. And I'm thinking, just as I'm sitting here thinking this through and saying it out loud, I think what might be the case for me is that usually 
I sit down and I just start playing and then the piece forms and, and the form comes about just from what I'm coming up with rather than I sit down and decide I'm going to write in this form. I would be interested in how you all approach that. Do you let the piece kind of take you where it wants or do you sit down with a map in your mind that you want to fill in? I imagine most of us are probably more like what I was saying where we see where the piece takes us. Uh, Scott Niebauer and I kind of discussed that a little bit when we talked. And uh, I think that's the more fruitful thing for me. I've ended up writing, uh, I've had a lot of success with rondos. And I don't think I've ever sat down and said, I'm going to write a rondo. I probably have, but a lot of, it seems like what I write just sort of comes about working in a rondo form. I also have had a lot more success just writing simple forms like, you know, ternary. It's about as, I mean, most of my pieces fall into ternary or something like that. The stuff I've featured on this show, certainly. So having said that, that's what I'm working on. And I, I was really hoping that sometime around now I'd be able to show you one of those pieces, but they haven't been recorded yet because they haven't been finished yet. And just sitting here talking about them has made me want to get back to work on them. I also realize you're probably hearing it. I keep turning my head and then I have to stop myself. Uh, I keep looking away from these microphones. They, they're a little more directional than the mic I usually use. <laughs> and uh, I keep turning my head so you might be losing the left channel. I'm going to stop doing that, sorry. Okay. So there's an update on my compositions going on currently. I do feel that we should always have something in the chamber. I like to. Even if it's not progressing forward, it's nice to at least have something other than like a massive concerto that I'd like to write someday. I'd, I like to have something that I've got going, even if it's going slow. I'm glad we had this talk. Now I'm going to go get to work. I also said that we were going to enter the realm of the weird a little bit today. And here is how. I've mentioned this to my wife before, and I don't think I've ever told anyone else, but I'm not sure. I maybe have. But ever since I was about 18 years old, I started noticing an interesting thing. So I would be, I used to have this, uh, you know, and I lived with my dad at the time, and he would often... <laughs> He'd send me to the store to go buy ice cream. He would he would buy the ice cream if I would go get it. And we had this thing going for a while. And every time I would go to that store, on the way back, there was always this street light that would go out as I would drive by it. And I thought it was really weird, but I thought it was like, I assumed something was wrong with the light or it was on a, I think what I first thought was that it was on a timer and I was like, driving by it at the same time every night but it would it would happen almost every single time and it was the same light and it sometimes it would go out before I drove by it sometimes it would go out right as I was passing it and sometimes it'd be just after but almost always this light would go out and I started noticing it happening with um, light or I, I started noticing it happening 
at all sorts. I mean, back then I was coming home at all hours of the night. So I come home at three o'clock in the morning. If I'm going down that road, that light goes out. And uh, I thought it was really weird. And being of a sound mind, I would say, <laughs> I never thought of like it being any kind of real like paranormal phenomenon. I just thought it was weird. So since then, I don't know when I began to notice other lights doing it, but I can tell you it wasn't my car because, uh, let me just get to the point. This has been happening now, not just with that light, but it started happening with other lights and it doesn't matter what car I'm driving. Um, I've had the thoughts of, well, maybe it was my cell phone, but back then my cell phone, I mean, it would have just been this old like Nokia blocky thing. It wasn't like it was a, and it wasn't even like a flip phone or anything, you know, it's like those, those old Nokia phones. And then all the cell phones I've had over the years, I've, I was like really late to the party and getting a smartphone. I've only had a smartphone in the last few years. So it, it hasn't mattered what cell phone I have. It hasn't mattered what car I'm driving or if I'm even driving a car. Frequently street lights go out as I pass underneath them. And I think it's the weirdest freaking thing. So I, the other night, and then, and there's times where it happens a lot and then like, I don't really notice it for a while, but it's, it's frequent enough that it's like, it, it's interesting. So I go out on walks. That's like what I do for exercise because it's about the only form of exercise that I can consistently keep up with. I'll throw on headphones and I think I've probably talked about this on the show. I go for walks. Sometimes I think about things I can talk about on the podcast. Sometimes, you know don't think about anything I just walk um, well it gets dark early right now so I you know I'm out in the dark and I was down this street and it was I, I walked under a street light and the street light went out and it like was really dark and it kind of freaked me out because like there was like no other light on this street so it was like it was just kind of creepy and I started walking a little faster you know and you know, I was like, wow, I, it's been a little while since this has happened, but there's another one. Then uh, the following week, I was walking in a completely different part of town, passed under a streetlight, it went out. And I was like, well, there's two weeks in a row. So I mentioned it again that night to my wife. Uh, who gives me a look of, I can't quite tell <laughs> if I know she believes me, but doesn't know what to say or think. That's fine. I wouldn't either. But, uh, I looked up, I started looking it up and I found an article on the internet. And then, uh, also the following night after I mentioned it to her, uh, I was, driving home and sure enough passed under another light that went out so I did an internet search and I have found that this is a thing that other people have experienced 
and there's an article and it's titled sliders and the streetlight phenomenon I'm not gonna read the whole article to you but basically what I've found is that there are people that this happens to and they call them sliders <laughs> street lamp interference so sliders and apparently I'm a slider now reading this article it sounds like sliders tend to uh, affect other electronic things like appliances you know TVs and radios nummy uh, none of that just street lights but a lot of street lights I have put out many a street light and I don't know when they come back on like I'm curious if they go out for 10 minutes or are they out the rest of the night till the the program re restarts and they come on for the next night I don't know according to this article it's been very difficult to study as it would be because it's not something you can easily replicate there's no control over it there's just it's just a thing that happens sometimes but it happens enough you know and that's so that's the thing the dismissal of like the skeptic uh, villain of this article says you know it's it's likely that because it's unusual for a street light to go out as you pass underneath it you're going to notice it so then you your mind like thinks things up and you make more out of it than it's just a coincidence but that's pretty dismissive because it happens to me all the freaking time so either it happens to everyone and only some people pay any attention and make a big deal out of it when it's nothing or it's a thing but it's not a coincidence and the light the lights aren't burning out they're on like the next night so it's weird it's a weird thing it's really cool it's really fascinating I don't know what it means I don't um, I am pretty open-minded when it comes to certain things but depends on what it is you know it's like I think I've mentioned on the show before that ghosts are absolutely something that I've had experience with and are a thing and it's just not even open for debate with me but then there's I've not I'm a, I'm a lot more of an eyebrow raiser when it kind of, when I hear about like psychic things or aliens whatever uh, the only things that I'm ever really convinced about are the things that I've experienced but I try not to be dismissive of other people's what they tell me even if it sounds really weird because I mean I've had some weird stuff but the street light thing has been a long time thing that I just I finally looked up on the internet and found it is a thing it's interesting anyway so there's our little journey into the realm of the weird like I said we're gonna have a short little show today. I'm gonna to transition back into guitar and I'm gonna read an email. I mentioned on the previous show that I was just a little bit concerned, hadn't heard from Martin, and uh, I do feel that Martin's emails have become a staple of the show. I really enjoy them and I just wanted to make sure he was okay. So Martin heard and wrote to me this. Chris, I am humbled by your mention of me despite my silence. Yes, this pandemic has me living to a greater extent than expected with my mum. With mum. 
technology and shopping visits keep me in contact with my wife and daughter. Luckily, at my time of life, I am not causing any family distress. In fact, I have been practicing a lot more, combined with regular jog-come-running excursions around the nearby countryside. We are near, but not actually in, the South Downs Country Park, which features chalk downs and sparkingly pure chalk streams and rivers. I first came here when I was nine years old in 1965 and was a local postman 1979 to 2013, so I know the area intimately. Anyway, regarding my practice, I have pretty well memorized a piece I wrote in 1978, which I called Rustic Rondo. It is pretty well ready for recording, which should happen soon, despite my laptop's recent crash. Eh. In any event, my society will be having their monthly Zoom session this Wednesday, January 27th, so they will be treated to its first performance, including the harmonic improvement I have given it. Does that make it new? I have read that it is good to memorize a new piece from the start, so I pulled out a book from my bag of music called simply Spanish Guitar Music, published 1984, G. Shermer, Incorporated. The first piece in it is Taroba's Jota Levantina. This is my lockdown challenge. There are versions on YouTube. Finally, you sent me an article on nail length, which I tried to follow but ended up too short for my playing style. I actually can't conceive of anybody managing to play with nails that short. Just goes to show how totally different hands can be. You have to master what you are born with. All the best, Martin. Yeah, thanks for the update, Martin. It's great to hear from you. I'm curious to know how the performance went. Um, assuming it happened and there weren't any technical difficulties or anything that got in the way. Um, I'm curious how it went. I uh, absolutely love Taroba, but I was not familiar with that piece, so I looked it up, and yeah, it's a very cool piece. So, great luck with playing that one as well, Martin. I love Taroba. I find myself going back to him all the time. The first set of the Castles of Spain, it just, it's like the most frequently, like, just pulled off my shelf and revisit, like, when I just want to play something else than what I'm working on. I just, I love playing through the castles of Spain. I love the sweet Castellana. I, I just love Taroba. With the nails, it's weird. Over time, I've found that I've moved shorter. I used to hate being on the shorter side. And there, there's definitely a point where it's too short. But I always liked mine kind of on the longer end of, there's sort of a tolerable area, right? Like there's the short end and the long end of what you can play with. And I used to prefer that long end until they'd get too long. And now I'm kind of to where I prefer, I prefer them. It's probably like I file them two days later, they're perfect. It's about two days of growth from my lowest filing point. And that's, that's just like the sweet spot for me, but it is shorter than I used to keep them. And I, I don't know. I just, over the years, I've just kind of, I don't know if I'm like developing bad habits or something, or maybe they're good habits, I don't know, but something's changed, and I prefer them a little bit shorter than I used to. And then I very much look forward to hearing that rondo, speaking of rondos. So, thanks Martin, it's much appreciated to hear from you, as always. And if you'd like to hear music by Martin, or any of the other composers we featured, all the episodes of the Classical Guitar 
Composers podcasts are available for free wherever you stream podcasts. Wherever you got this one, you should be able to get the rest. I believe you can find Martin's music in episode number 18. Okay, and with that, we're going to move on to the music. I've got a couple of pieces from Etienne de la Vox in the shoot, um, which I'll be throwing out there sometime in the near future, but uh, we've had him um, a few times recently, and I don't want to just... He's provided a lot of music, and I I love it, and I, I just don't want to burn through it overly quickly, so maybe next month um, or the next... Sometime down the road, we'll feature some more unheard music from him, unheard on this show. I mean... So being that it's a slow time, I decided I'd throw in one of my pieces, and as much as I wish I had something new to show you, I don't. So I thought I would show you this piece I wrote. It's probably one of my first, well I know it's one of my first, it's not the first piece I ever wrote for classical guitar, but it's probably the first one that I ever wrote that I've performed it and recorded it, like that sonata I was talking about earlier, I never recorded that. Um, this one I is the first piece I felt like was it was good. And now looking back on it, I would certainly have done the ending different. And I actually went through a little bit of a debate with myself like two years ago or so with this piece because I think it's a good piece, but I think that I would do the ending a lot differently now than what I did. And I actually went in to rewrite it and then I kind of changed my mind about that and realized just let it be what it is. In its time, this is what I wrote. This is what I was capable of writing and you know, I'd rather see the growth with new compositions than trying to go back and fix my old ones, even though some of them I think have a lot of potential but we're missing certain things. I've decided to really try to let them go. So this one's kind of in that camp, but I, I think it's worthy of playing on the show still. So this piece is called In the Evening, and it is a rondo. <laughs> and you might recognize it from earlier episodes. I was using it as transitional music, but never actually have played the entire thing on the show. This is In the Evening by yours truly.
Okay, and there it is. You've just heard In the Evening by yours truly. One of my earlier compositions. I definitely do it different now, but like I said, I'd like to look forward compositionally and not backwards. It was actually a long time before I really got comfortable composing for classical guitar. I tried a lot and just wasn't able to do it other than I would write like these kind of simple duets, which I might show you some of those at some point too. But I just, it, when I started getting into composition, I was writing a lot more for violin, orchestra, even I did some piano stuff. Like, it was a while before I really took on classical guitar. And now it's like the only thing I write for, pretty much, as far as composition goes. And I like to think that it has progressed, but it's very much a one piece at a time process. So with that, I'd like to thank you for joining me. I'll say um, I definitely like these microphones for guitar recording. And I can see that if I'm going to use them for the podcast, I've got to figure out a better setup in a more fixed location for them where I've got to get them like up on my desk so that I can look toward my screen and not have to swivel my chair over to the side. So next time will probably sound more normal, but thank you for bearing with me on this today. Now with that, I'm going to call it a show. Once again, thanks for joining me. Watch out for them street lamps. If you notice them going out over your head, you never know, maybe you are a slider. Be careful out there. Keep on plucking.